That that was coming straight out of the locker room in 1945, with jock straps and and uh, tennis shoes and old mouth old mouthpieces. <laughs> the Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com. By Nickters American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. I hope your 2021 is going splendidly. I'm stoked to say that our episode last week about uh, Billy Idol getting some love for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it made an impact. I got a few emails from folks saying that they agree, some of those in the music industry. So cross your fingers, everybody, that the great Billy Idol will get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, this week's guest is also up for the Hall of Fame. But we're talking the NFL Hall of Fame, and I believe he is the greatest defensive player, all-around defensive player, to ever play the game. Charles Woodson played for the Oakland Raiders, played for the Green Bay Packers. He was a shutdown corner. He was a mean bruiser of a safety. He won a Heisman Trophy. He won a Super Bowl. He won a national championship when he was at Michigan. I think that he was so superb that you could put him in any position and he would excel. You know, maybe, you know, not offensive lineman. You got to be a bit of a uh, a large fella for that part position. But Charles Woodson was amazing to watch. And if you were a Green Bay Packers fan, when he came onto the team, you were just like, finally, finally, we have a player that will shut down people in the secondary. And we talk about that. We also talk about this past week's uh, – uh, NFC and AFC championships and what those were like to watch and what his career's been like as an analyst as well. But more importantly, folks, he's entering the bourbon game. He's entering the bourbon game, and I am excited to see what he brings to the table. And we taste something in uh, in this flight that reminded Charles Woodson of jockstraps. I'm just saying it wasn't pleasant for either one of us to taste it. So enjoy this week's episode with the great, the one, the only, Charles Woodson. But first, a word from our sponsors. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, 
go to michters.com or visit your favorite bartender. Michters Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com Ride it like you stole it, drink it like you own it, live fast, drink responsibly. So joining the Fred Minnick Show is the greatest uh, defensive player to ever uh, play in the NFL, the great Charles Woodson. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Fred, man, I'm doing great, man. You know, pleasure to be on here with you this morning. Well, I think, you know, the pleasure's all mine. You're You're the only other person of who wears ascots um you know you've you've oh uh, yeah you you rock the ascot Where'd... you know what i i just got this this uh this little piece in the mail from my <laughs> buddy fred minnick man so I'm, I'm just i'm gonna open it up and uh you know i might have to just throw it around man just to just to uh, have it be a part of the show you know i love it well I'll, I'll say that that is that is one of my custom ascots that only my okay. only, only my club members get and, oh man uh, and that's the uh, it's made by a local designer in Louisville called Peak Ties, and that's yes, the that's the Glen Karen on there. So well, 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 look at that. It, it, it matches all, all the whiskey. matches the glass, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. Love it. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I every time every time you'd be on set, you know, you'd be you'd be proudly wearing the ascot. Inevitably, people who follow both of us would would tag us like, "Fred, you got to get Charles on the show. You got to get Charles on the show." And it's been like right. for, the, for the last like couple of years, uh, you know. So I know this episode's gonna make a lot of people happy to see. So you got see. so you got to tell me. You got to tell me when did you first uh, get into ascots? I got it. I got into ascots around. I'd always loved them. I didn't know what they were called. Okay. I didn't know what they were. But yeah. you know, you watch these old like nineteen eighties like cop movies and stuff. And like somebody always wore an ascot, and yep. um, and I just was fascinated with them. And then as I be- as I became an adult, um, and it was time to dress up to go to like the Kentucky Derby and stuff like that, I wanted an ascot. But you would go into Dillard's or Von Mar, and the people there didn't even know what an ascot was. <laughs> right. And and it wasn't until I was on a wine trip in uh, I think two thousand eight, and uh, one of the wine writers was was rocking an ascot and. You know, he he was also hitting on my wife, by the way, but he. Oh wow! But he, <laughs> but it was he's like seventy two, so it was kind of harmless. It was it was funny. Okay. But, but he like when I got home, he had sent me a care package of ascots. So that's how that's kind of how it all started. And he told me where to find them and and all that. Yep. So because they're not easy to find. Yeah, I uh, I started wearing them probably around. 2009 actually and uh, like you said you know you watch some of these older movies and i remember watching i forget what the movie was but it was andy garcia 
Oh, you know, yeah. he's, he's known, he's known for wearing ascots and, uh, I saw the look and I was like, man, you know what? I think I may try that. And so I had an event, uh, that year in 2009 and I, and I rocked the ascot and, you know, people were looking like, you know, what, what is that? You know, what, what do you have on your neck? You know? <laughs> and, uh, so I just, you know, I continued to wear it and it was so funny is when I started working for ESPN and I wore it on Monday night football, you know, it had so much chatter surrounding it. Mm -hmm. I mean, negative, positive, and I couldn't believe that this ascot was getting so much attention. And that's when I started, I, I just started, hey, the hashtag was ascot Monday. And I wore the ascot ever since. So I, I love the look, man. It's so it's so casual, it's easy. You know, you don't feel it's exactly tight, right. buttoned up, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Everyone yep. thinks it's all like, uh, you know, fancy, but it's so easy to do. And it is. And the you know, and the other thing is, is like not everyone can pull it off. I mean, you gotta, yeah. you, gotta you gotta have the, you gotta be confident, you know. No doubt about it. You gotta have a little moxie about yourself. That that's exactly right. Like I I had Trey Wingo on. I was like thinking, I was like, you know, I I think Trey could Trey Wingo could pull off an ascot. You think Trey Wingo could well, pull one off? Yeah, I, I tell I tell people though. I say, hey man, you just gotta try it. You know, everybody's like, oh, I can't pull it off. I'm like man, just just put it on. That's you know, right. and we'll we'll figure it out once you put it on if you can handle it or not. That's exactly right. Well, yeah. You know, here we are. We're we're the day after the the championship Sunday, and what what's what's it like for you as a as a retired player watching your former team play in the Green Bay Green Bay Packers? Yeah, man. You know, has such high hopes. You know, for the Packers, it seemed like you know all season long. They just continued to build uh, as far as a team, you know, gaining that chemistry. And to me, I felt like they were the favorites going into this postseason and getting mm -hmm. back to the Super Bowl. So you're sitting there pulling for them. And, you know, Brady goes down there and scores the first drive of the game. And then I'm, it's almost like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, yeah. so it, it was tough to watch because, you know, A-Rod, you know, he's my quarterback, right? So me winning a championship is synonymous with with Aaron Rodgers and getting to the Super Bowl and winning it and for his legacy man I was hoping that he was going to be able to get over this hump of championship we can get back to the Super Bowl man and win his second one and matched up against old Brady again man yeah <laughs> and couldn't and couldn't get it done so yeah I'm hurting for the team man because you know they have some guys on there that played played great games man but in the end you know, Tampa Bay just proved to be too much. You know, you there's there's the uh, captain hindsights. You know, today everyone talking about that fourth down play on the on the goal line and you know kicking the field goal yeah. instead of, instead of going for it. You know, is as a yeah. you know you you wear two hats. You know, one you're you're an analyst. You're also you're also like in your veins. You are a your diehard Packers you know, player and fan, you know, where do you, where do you stand uh, on that, on that call to kick the field goal? Yeah. I, I tweeted out immediately, man, that I didn't like that call. I thought that they, they needed to go for it there on fourth down. Worst case scenario, of course you don't get it, but you still, there's, there's an extra few seconds that you'll save yourself um, at the end of that game. And so hopefully that your defense can get off to the field because the defense played excellent in the second half. 
you know, so you're going to hope you're going to be able to get the ball back and potentially drive down and go for that touchdown again in the two-point conversion. But kicking the field goal and then giving the ball back to them uh, again and then hoping, you know, that the team can get the ball back, man, it was just – it was it was too much, you know, left to chance for me. So I, I would have gone for it right there um, immediately and and, saw, and see what happened because – you got you got to you got to feel like a rod is going to put it in the end zone you know yeah. four downs he's going to put it in so i i would have liked to see him go for it on that yeah play. he was i mean you know there were some drop balls and you know the, he he was looking fine i i um of course i i, I i'm no player or coach but you know i mean he's he's the most talent every every game he's the most talented guy on the field you know i feel like anyway but um there's one other call, and that was when Tampa Bay had the ball dri- driving down, and there was a there was a pass interference call, and just if you're watching it really fast, it's like the guy just fell down, but it turns out that he had a handful of jersey or or tights, yeah. just like pulling on him. That was a good call. Yeah. Was that a good call? You know what? You're gonna get they're gonna get that call 100 percent of the time. Anytime a referee sees the sees a shirt or a jersey you know, pulled, you know, away from somebody's body, mm-hmm. they're going to call it. Now, you, they had, there, there were other plays in the game where guys were, you know, people are like, oh, man, they could they should have been calling holding all game. But if I'm holding you and I'm close to the body and you don't see any cloth separate from the body, then they're going to let some of that stuff go. But it's almost like the ref is, he, he has to make that call once that guy grabs him and you see his jersey pull away from his body. So, I, I don't have any problem with that call. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I wish it hadn't have been called, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, then you get to the next game, and it just, you know, <clears> as <throat> much as the Bills, you you were kind of like, you know, that you you hope for Bills Mafia, Kansas City just looks mean, man. They're just, they're just good. They are. And, you know, I, I felt like the Bills were going to match up much better defensively than mm-hmm. they did. You know, Kansas City, Kansas City, they, they, you know, they pose a, a bunch of problems for you with their speed, their play scheme. They're always, they have all these misdirection plays that catch you off guard. But I just thought Buffalo had enough players on that team that they would make some plays, man. And it, it just wasn't to be. Kansas City just showed to be too strong. In your prime, could could you have shut down Hill? Yeah, hey, come on, Fred, man. I feel like I can <laughs> shut anybody down. <laughs> I don't know what you expected me to say right yeah. now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I think you could. It, it, it sadly, you know, defensive backs don't uh, don't get to uh, to play, you know, like like you did when you were a rookie. You know, it's it's a very different game today. So yeah, it is, man. It's tough but, game. You got you got to be ready mentally for it. That's right. But thank goodness we we have we have bourbon. And you know we're going to be tasting we're going to be tasting uh, your bourbon today. So you you started oh, a, a, a bourbon brand, which welcome yep. to the world of bourbon. We're also going yeah. to be tasting uh, uh, a single barrel of uh, rum. Which I, are, do you like rum? Yeah, I, dr- rum? I drink rum. I'm, I'm not. I don't drink as much rum as I do you know my bourbon. But okay. yeah, I like rum absolutely. And then we're going to taste a um, uh, a six year old rye. And then I I sent you something super, super special from uh, 1945, a uh, vintage Kentucky Tavern bottled and bond. So this is, um, 
you're the I just crack I cracked this open for you, and I'm so stoked to sip this with you. 1945. That's right. So from 1945, and of course, you know, you also started uh, a, a, some wines, Charles Woodson's yep, Intercept. Intercept, which I yep. mean, what a great. What a great, great name for a wine brand, Intercept, which if if no one's a football fan, it just sounds kind of like, <laughs> oh, that sounds like a very nice wine. But uh, Yeah, man. It kind, of, it kind of just rolls off your tongue, right? That's right. And yeah. so and so you have a, a blend from Paso Robles, and yep. you've got, um, you got a Chardonnay. And I really do this, the yep. packaging, the, the bottles on this is, is absolutely fantastic. You got a you got a cabernet, and then you've got um, a pinot. Pino. So yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. So speaking of the pa- packaging, man, the, our, our, my team, you know, with uh, Intercept, man, just did an outstanding job of uh, you know capturing different ideas, you know, from me and mm-hmm. throughout my career and things that I like, man, and put that packaging together. And I thought they just hit a home run, man. So very, very proud of the way that the packaging came out. Absolutely. I mean, and the bottle stands out. Like if you're, if you're a wine shopper and you're not a football fan and you just see the bottle, you're like, you're intrigued by it. It's got that, you know, it's got that kind of je ne sais quoi, you know, as they say. So it's, it's got the good look that you, you like. Well, glad you said that because that's, that's what we're looking for. And that's what, to me, that's what the lion represents is, is I want it, I want that lion. I want the king of the jungle, you know, to attract your attention. That's so, awesome. Uh, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what we were going for. And because we both want to be standing after this interview because we have other things to do in the day. It is in the morning <laughs> that we're doing the interview. We agreed to only taste the whiskey. So we're not going to, to mix whiskey and wine. So yeah. And, uh, we, we can we can do things <laughs> not 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 gonna overdo it that that's exactly right so what made you um what made you get into the the alcohol industry because you know you don't see a lot of um you know you're, you're seeing it a little bit you know peyton manning has a um has a whiskey and Dominic and sue has a has a share of a whiskey but you like you're doing a you're doing whiskey and wine I mean, it feels yeah. like you're you're developing an entire company, a portfolio here. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I, I've told this story, you know, a million times. But you know, with me and my relationship with wine, you know, just kind of happened organically. You know, I, I didn't, you know, grow up, you know, knowing anything about wine. You know, my family didn't sit down and have wine at dinner or anything like that. Um, I got drafted to Oakland in 1998 and their training camp was in Napa Valley. So mm-hmm. every year I'm right in the heart of Napa Valley, uh, staying at the Napa Valley Marriott. And as a result of that and kind of being in that culture and right in the middle of it, man, I started drinking wine. And I just I just loved everything about Napa Valley from that point on and, and decided that, you know what, I want to be a part of this um, long term. You know, mm-hmm. and so I, I create, created a label early on called 24 uh, by Charles Woodson. And then uh, years later, that's when I got into Intercept, which we started at maybe a little over a year ago. Um, but you know what? I found myself, you know, as I would drink wine, you'd eat dinner, you'd always have an after-dinner drink, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I kind of started drinking uh, like your McAllen's and, and your Glenlivet's. And then, you know, I just stumbled upon, you know, bourbon. I started, you know, drinking Woodford Reserve, 
um, their their double barrel, uh, double oak um, uh, bourbons. And so I said, you know what, this is, I think this is more my speed, man, is the bourbon. So I, I think I want to be able to offer that to, you know, the people uh, that, that are already fans of what I'm doing in the wine world. And, and let's see, let's see how this bourbon takes off. So that's kind of how I got started with it. Right on. Do you have any plans for any other spirits? Uh, you know, at the, what we like to do, man, is when we approach a, a new project, we try to make sure that we're doing it right, right now, and mm -hmm. make sure that it, it has some sust uh, sustainability, mm -hmm. uh, some stay some staying power. And then after that, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get into something else. But right now, we're focused on um, the bourbon that we have at hand. And then who knows if, if we get into another spirit down the way. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and and uh, start with with yours because what we have here we have um, we have three spirits that like if we we taste those these are going to be very powerful. You know, I don't yeah. I don't I don't want uh, and I know yours is a, a little bit on the younger side. I don't want it to get lost. Yep. And so you're putting this you're finishing this in uh, in wine barrels. Tell me about your process. Yep. Yep. So we, we, uh, so of course it goes through that, that bourbon process, you know, uh, hundred percent charred American Oak. And, uh, we go through a proprietary, uh, accelerated aging process. Uh, so it, it increases that con contact from the, from the, uh, spirit to the barrels and speeds that process up. And then once that's done, then we, we ship it out to, uh, my partners are out of California. And that's where we finish it in our wine barrels and uh, and bottle label and the whole nine out in California. Well, so what kind of process? What, what kind of wine barrels are you finishing in? French. Okay. French oak, and and uh, these are barrels that I that I used uh, with my wine. Mm -hmm. um, so it has that personal, you know, personal touch to it. Well, it's a it's a beautiful label, and then. Uh, and then you've got uh, you got quarterbacks who will be haunted of seeing the the image in the back there. What oh, what, yeah. what what got quarterback did you did you intercept the most uh, balls from? Who did you who did you pick on the most? Or who was easy um, to pick off? Well, I think uh, I think team wise, it was it was Detroit. Mm -hmm. You know, playing playing in that uh, you know the NFC North. Uh, playing them twice a year, I think they're the team that I have the most interceptions off of. That that says says every NFL corner who ever played in the North because the the Detroit Lions, they have Matthew <laughs> they have they have Matthew Stafford, and he's like begging for a trade now. It's like they every cornerstone every cornerstone player they ever get they they can't wait to get out of there from <laughs> from Megatron. Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Bad, bad business, bad business, man. They got to do something about that, man. So oh. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they can get on a winning track. So I'll give you, I'll give you kind of a little bit of a historical context um, of like, you know, the, the product that you have created here. You know, rapid aging has not been widely accepted in, oh, in, yeah. in the, in the bourbon industry. And you're starting yep. to see it change a little bit. Uh, people are getting a little bit more accepting of it and you're seeing some products mm -hmm. come out that you know aren't half bad so yep but this to my knowledge is the first one that is uh six months and then finished in a wine barrel and 
Well, I think you know you 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 have you have your you know you have your traditionalists, and I certainly understand that. Um, But you know, I I I drink alcohol, I drink spirits, man, and and to to me, I wouldn't put my name on anything, man, that I don't feel very confident in. You know, this is uh, eighty proof, so you know it's it's not going to have a a a lot of the heat that some of your higher proofs are going to have. But man, you're going to get great flavor. Uh, uh, caramel, vanilla, you know, those bourbon flavors. But to me, I think the finish, you know, you get like a nutmeg finish at the end, man. It's, it's high rye, so that gives you a little bit of spice as well. But you know, Charles, this is me, very, this is very drinkable. Um, you know, any, anytime, mm-hmm. anytime I, the, you know, 10 years ago when I would get a rapid age product, it would just be like alcohol, like there wouldn't be a lot of flavor coming right. through, but, yep. um, this definitely has. This definitely has some. Uh, it's definitely better than the majority of the Rapid Age products I've had. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would. I, I would yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely. I definitely see a, a place for this on the shelf in in any brother's home. Do you absolutely? What, I think. A, I think especially for people who are who are. Uh, just getting into bourbons, you know, this is one that's like you said, it's going to be very drinkable. Yeah. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to scare people away. You know, sometimes people want to, they want to try different things and uh, all of a sudden they'll taste something that's, you know, 110 proof. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, you know, I can't drink that. So this is, this is, you want your entry into the bourbon world. I think this Woodson bourbon whiskey is your route. Do you, uh, what, what's the, what's the price point on this? Uh, right now we're online and you get it at 29.95. Okay. Yeah, so that's in the yep. that that's in the in the realm of possibilities there for for, for bourbon drinkers. So Yeah, yep. I mean like anyone anyone listening to this or watching this, I mean you, you what what we're seeing here is we're we're starting to see a little bit of the tide turn of of rapid aging products and you know, Charles, you you brought something to the table here that you know, I I I, I fairly regularly tell people to their face I don't like their products, so yeah. uh, so if I felt that way I would tell you that. But this is this this is very drinkable. This is very much, uh, you know, in my opinion, this is something that it could very well you know be an entry level uh, product for someone. So you know, kudos to you, and definitely I think that I you could taste the French oak. It could taste the spiciness yeah. of the French oak. What what did the French oak have before? Was it Chardonnay? Or what did you have in it before? Cabernet. You had Cabernet in it. Yeah, yeah, French. Yeah, yep, Cabernet. And uh, we'll we'll probably continue to do uh, the Cabernet barrels, you know, going forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is this is uh, this is just our start, you know. So yeah. we uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out along the way, you know, if we want to try some different things. Um, but you know, to me, I, like I said, man, I, for one, I wouldn't put my name on it. And two, I probably wouldn't come on your show. If I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I didn't think I had something that was uh, that was quality, you know, right what I mean? and, and, that I, and that I really wanted, you know, people to try. So uh, I definitely would uh, well, definitely I, appreciate your honesty on it. Yeah, so, I, I say I say yeah. congr- congratulations for uh, for for a rookie bottle. You know, you yeah. definitely, you definitely, uh, you're, you're moving in the right direction. And, and I would, uh, I would say that this is a bottle to have in your house and your collection for a, you know, you know, just, just to taste it. So you can see like the progress that we've, we've had with, with rapid aging. And I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm actually really astonished, um, because 
we're looking this is we're 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 moving into historic territory yeah. in this in this category so um well if you this, know, know anything about my, my career I, li I like to be a pioneer so there you go that, 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 be, that means a lot well i mean for god's sake you know you you went from cornerback to safety to safety in like you know no one had ever done that at your at your level and so yeah you're you are a bit of a pioneer so that's right what what's the one thing you miss most about football You know, I, I think it's, um, you know, it, it, this is the one interesting thing is, is uh, for me, it was going on the road. You know, it, when you're at home and you have a home game, you kind of have everything at your disposal, right? Mm -hmm. You know, everything, everything's within arm's reach. You know, all, all of the stuff that your trainers need, it's right there because you're home. So you know where everything is. But when you had to go on the road, you can only take what you need, you know, and then you got to take that on the road and go into somebody else's house and you have to survive with whatever you got. And always, that was always the feeling I had in my mind. Uh, anytime we got ready to pack up for a game, you know, you grab your travel bag, you throw your helmet in, throw your shoulder pads, throw your cleats you're going to have. If you forget something, you know, it's it. You don't have it. You know what I'm saying? So you got to play with what you got. And if you got to borrow something from somebody, once you get there, then you got to borrow something. But you only get to have what you bring. And there was something about something something about that that was, uh, you know, when you think about, you know, going into battle, you know, and mm -hmm. being a part of, you know, historical fights or whatever it is, you got to, you got to, whatever you have in your hands, that's what you got to fight with. So something about that, man, that was special to me. And I, I missed that part of it. Wow. I, so I never really thought about that. I always thought like, um, you know, people on the team just had like had all that stuff taken care of for you. You all still had to do all the packing and everything. Yeah, you, you pack it up. Now, you, you your trainers, they'll run around and they'll say, hey, you know, don't forget this. Don't forget that. And, uh, you know, you hear it. And so you always think, OK, I, I got this. Mm -hmm. I, I've grabbed this. And you know, so you feel good about it, leaving out the door and getting on that bus. But, you know, you're always thinking in your mind, Dang, did I forget? Once you get on that plane, buddy, that's it. Yeah. That's what you got. <laughs> now, did uh, did you ever have any any friends or teammates who forgot something as silly as their helmet or cleats or shoulder pads? Uh, you know, I I don't think I've ever had anybody forget like because those are the those are the main those are like the main two things. Yeah. But you know, cleats. For sure, they'll forget to put the right cleats in that, that they want to wear for the game. Um, of course, you know, like mouthpieces, um, certain pads that you might wear that are that are unique to you. You know, you might forget because it's somewhere in your locker hiding up under something. Mm -hmm. So guys forget all of those 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 little things that, that you don't really think about until you don't have it all the time. Wow. Well, now we're going to move on to the uh, we're going from 80 proof to uh 118.2 proof in the senator now this is this is that's, a ride okay all so right. we're I'm, I'm bringing the heat to you all right so we're going we're going to a rye whiskey here this is coming from the mgp distillery in indiana and as you were putting together your company you probably heard about mgp a time or two it's a former yep. Seagram's distillery. 
that um, that started putting stocks out on the open market to sell to the to the likes as yourself uh, for folks who are bottling whiskeys, but they don't want to start their own distillery, which I would never recommend anybody start a distillery because it's way <laughs> way too expensive. Right. This is a rye, but it has a has a very subtle nose to it. This is um, this is a cherry bomb for me. That's very, that's very upfront. I mean, you get that that heavy uh, spice right in the mm. right in that that front palate. It's like it's like it travels up the the front of your face, right up to your to the <laughs> bottom of your eyelids. You got you got the special uh, flavor receptors under the eyelids, you know. Mm, mm. But you you do have like flavor receptors in your in your throat and your belly. And this is one that you know definitely opens up a lot of things for for me. And it's got the spice. It's got it's got like a lot of fruit to it. But uh, to me, it's like a, a cherry cinnamon um with a little bit of black licorice yeah and, and, and you know for me you know coming out of the wine world you know you always you know talk about tanning you know mm -hmm. that you get from you know the oak you know that that drying feeling the dry feeling that you get you know in your mouth that you're drinking that you you certainly get this get that especially on your front palate right there on the, the front of your tongue But to me, you know, I, I mean, very drinkable to me, like t to me that, you know, uh, you know, high alcohol, high proof, you know, doesn't doesn't scare me away. And for me, um, I don't I don't necessarily like to put a cube in my bourbon. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, li I like to drink it straight. So for me, I'd, I'd sip on that all day. There's yeah. No and and, and the, people have a misconception that just because it's high proof doesn't mean it's going to be like layered in flavor and smooth. But, yep. you know, the fact is, is like something that's 120 proof can be, you know, far more, um, you know, palatable than an 80 proof bourbon. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of t that's one of the things, too, that's a compliment to yours is a lot of time, you know, people will cut cut down to 80 proof because they're trying to appear to be, you know, soft, but then you put it on your palate yeah. and then it's overly alcohol, you know? So, yep. so some of the most alcohol forward, you know, whiskeys that I've ever tasted were 80 proof. So, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, so this oh, yeah. is, this is a limited edition product, uh, you know, from a company very similar to yours and that they buy barrels from other people. And it's called the Senator. It, it it won a it won my very first blind tasting of twenty twenty one. Oh really? Yeah, it won my first one of the year. It's it's a very tasty one. I, I really like it. And that's and that's uh that's a that's one hundred percent rye. Uh, it'll be ninety five percent rye and then five percent malted barley. Age six years in uh, Indiana. So when you when you uh, when you retired, um, when you you became an analyst, did did you find it find it difficult to be you know to criticize your your fellow players or was that was that a little little more 
a little, little easier for you than some. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's always a little harder to criticize the guys that you actually played with, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, coming from Oakland, I finished there my last, you know, three years. And then, of course, I was coming from, you know, Green Bay prior to that. So still a lot of guys that I played with that were still, you know, in the NFL. So I think it's always harder to do that. But it's not hard to tell the truth about what you see. You know, so my, my main goal was anytime I was on television, I just tried to tell it like it was. You know what I mean? I tried to be real. I tried not to be over overcritical of anybody. You know, I, I never wanted to be one of those personalities that seemed so removed from the game that, you know, I, like you're on TV, you know, like you've never been in the locker room, you know, never been in the game. Things never happened to you. I never wanted to be that type of uh, analyst. You know, I just wanted to keep it real, keep it 100, you know, kind of give my experiences as a player and, you know, just make it very simple that way, you know, to where guys, when they watch me on television, they would say, you know, hey, man, there's a guy that's just really telling it like it is. And he's not one of these guys on television that are talking down on us like they've never been in these situations, you know. So that's that's how I always tried to play it. Uh, previously on uh, on the show, I had Jared, Al Jared Allen, who's also he's a fellow finalist uh, for the NFL Hall of Fame. I think both of you. Oh, yeah. are, I think both of you all should get in this year. But, you know, one of the things that he, he talked to me about, like when he would talk to reporters, he would always, you know, be extremely honest. And he always appreciated those on TV that were extremely honest do you do you feel like yep. that's still the sense of 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 the league or do do players are players a little bit more sensitive today about what's said on the airwaves well i think i think guys are um i think they've always been sensitive you know to what guys say on television uh but again when guys watch when they watch tv and they watch you talk about their particular team you know they just want you to they, they want you to really talk as if you know, you're still in the locker room. Don't don't be just an analyst. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Don't 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 talk down or talk at them. Be one of the guys that are really up there on, on TV. You know, talking to those guys and and, and take, making whatever take that you have about the game. Um, but when you think about now, man, with social media, now guys have their own platform. You know, you, you can you can hold your own podcast after the game. <laughs> you can talk about the things that you want to talk about and tell your your true feelings about what you think. And so it's not really up to the guys that are on TV to talk, to talk about it. You can tell it yourself, you know. So it, it's nowadays they are sensitive to what's said, but then now they can come back and say their own thing and they have a platform to do it. That's a good – that's a really good point. And we should – we're not going to drink it just yet, but we should pour the Kentucky Tavern, the one from 1945. And the reason why I suggest that we pour it and let it set for a little bit is we're looking at something that hasn't, you know, has been in a bottle uh, since the end of World War II. And, you know, I mean, we're talking leather helmet days and in, uh, in football and in just a completely different period in our in our country's history and the whiskey that would have been you know this the, the creation of this whiskey would have came from different grains it would have came from um 
you know, different distillation techniques. It would have went into like first growth wood, you know, so we're looking at something that's in, incredibly, incredibly, you know, special, but we definitely, we definitely have something too that is going, you know, probably needs to sit and have a little bit of oxygen touching it for a little bit so it can, it can uh, breathe, if you will, uh, before we taste it. So let's, let's go to the rum. This is a Jamaican rum. Now, rum, if you decide to get in this category, <clears throat> there's a lot of charlatans in rum. And this is a this is a very very dangerous place to be for for if you want to get into the business because people people have an assumption that rum should be sweet. And what right. a lot of what a lot of people will do is they will add sugar into it like post distillation and Places like Jamaica and Barbados uh, and Martinique, they actually, it's against their laws to do that to their rum. And so when you see Jamaican, Jamaica on there, you know, it's, it's pure spirit. You know, so there's, this is basically. Uh, so, this, so no, so no, no additives whatsoever no to this. Exactly. But if you see something from, um, you know, they're, they're, and they don't have to disclose it. Anything from the Dominican Republic there's going to be up to like 40 uh, grams per sugar, you know, per milliliter, you know, or 40, you know, yeah, 40 grams per milliliter. You know, there's a lot of sugar that can be in a bottle. Mm -hmm. uh, anything from Venezuela will have uh, a lot of sugar in there. And, you know, and a lot of people will say like, that's a part of their technique and it, and it helps it. And, and you know what? they're not wrong but it's like a but if you have you when you look at like the the incredible like measurement of like what rum can be it's like from here to over here and so like jamaican rum is it has an identity from just the pure creation standpoint of it so does yeah. the barbados rums and the martinique rums so i i like to I, it, it's not about saying one way is wrong or the other it's just to say that you know, just kind of know going in, and there's a, there's a there's been a big sugar war over this in the last ten years. I think it's dying out because you know the money's on the side of people adding sugar, but yep. um, but it's you know to the to the spirits connoisseur, what we're about to taste here is much more up our alley, and this is a this is a bottled rum by uh, Rolling Fork. It's a single barrel pick by the Silver Dollar Restaurant here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And it's uh, Jamaican rum. So my, my, so my assumption about rum is that it's gonna, uh, it's gonna be spicy. So is that a wrong uh, assumption of a rum? You know, well, or is that just spiced it, rum that's spicy no, well, so, or yeah, so all rums kinda? So that actual spiced rum is like, that is a category where they will spice it up with all kinds of like you know typical um you know baking spices to kind of create like a bit yeah. of a liqueur uh what you're about to taste here you should be getting you know you you may be getting things like clove and cardamom and uh jerk spice you know so this one this one will feel on the palate you know you'll have some funk you know it's the best way that i can put it it's got some funk to it
Yeah, I would de- I would definitely say that. It has it has a unique flavor to it, man. I'm I'm trying to I would say there's there's a there's some complexity there, man, that I wouldn't I, I wouldn't expect. It's like it, it has my my sensory is like all over the place trying to figure out what that actually is. That's the uh their their technique of, of making uh of making rum is um you know, they do a lot of um natural yeast in in jamaica now i actually do not know what distillery this came from but from from the flavor of it that i'm picking up my my guess is it's from uh hampton which is uh kind of an iconic uh distillery in jamaica but like if you like if you just get a spoonful of molasses like you know the molasses from uh, the west indies you know, you 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 get very similar flavors here, so it's like kind of like raw molasses, um, you know, funky clove, uh, Jamaican jerk spices, some ginger in there, and this again, this is the Rolling Fork rum. I mean, that's a cool label too. I would say that's not at all. That's not at all what I expected. Um, when I hear rum, but so the that is so, that is very that is very interesting to me. So the the next category you could go to from from whiskey is, is could be rum. To the rum, can, huh? You could buy a lot. Of, you can buy a lot of stuff on the market that's really good, and yeah. you'll always you'll always hear people say that rum is the next bourbon, and, and that's just simply not true. They've been saying that for thirty years, and rum is a fascinating category. And if you can get if you can get in a um, if you can get into like a like a rum bar or a Vegas hotel um, at, at at the well, you know you're winning. But you know Bacardi is putting a lot of money in those hotels. Yeah, going to be hard to bump those. But maybe maybe you can find a, a Packers fan that runs one. I don't know. You know the the, the thing about the. The first two that we've tasted, the, the senator and the uh, the rum, those stick around. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm still I can still actually taste the senator from before, and now here comes I'm introducing the rum to it, and, and I and I both can I can still taste both of those well after, you know, taking a sip. So. Those those uh those two have uh, lasting imp- uh, the, the lasting imprints on the on the palate. Absolutely. Now <laughs> now let's let's go back. Swish your mouth out a little bit. So try to get some uh, right. a bit of a palate cleanse. And let's go back to yours. And you'll and you'll see why I wanted to start with this. Start with uh, yours. But I'm smelling it, and it's got a nice little like honey nose to it. Now, after it's been sitting for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Holds up. Hey, man. Yeah, it holds up even after those two tastings. There's some honey and some, like, uh, corn on the cob there. A little pepper. Yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, more subtle, of course, than the first two. But I think that I think the flavoring is just it's the treat. You know, I think that's what our bourbon is about, man. It, it, to me, it's a treat. 
you know, um, when I talk about people, you know, being introduced to this world, you know, of, of bourbon or whiskey or whatever it is that you're drinking, um, this one is going to be one I think that you'll stick with, you know, because you're going to you're going to be able to taste that and just kind of be delighted, I think, on, on your palate, man, especially with the with the nice smooth finish. You know, we have, um, you know, it's high corn, 70 corn. So you're going to get those sweet notes. Um, you get the vanilla. Of course, you got the, the spice coming in from the barrels, mm -hmm. you know, with the with the Cabernet. Um, but again, the nice, sexy, smooth finish is uh what we were after so I, I think we captured that i mean if we're for it to hold up after those two beasts you know that's uh that that's a compliment yeah. and um you know as we kind of let this uh yeah i, I want to i haven't smelled yet i know you smelled the kentucky tavern but the kentucky you know it has wow. some age on it like you said you know from 45 and you know it's funny that you mentioned you know old leather helmets you know, because I get I like shoe leather. polish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can just picture myself sitting there with a shoe shiner and him. <laughs> like you, <can, laughs> you got to get that on the nose, man. Well, sometimes you know, sometimes these uh, older whiskeys, it, it's all about it's all about how they're stored, and you know, this is a screw cap, which screw caps at that time. You know, take a look at that. You know, that screw cap. Uh, didn't hold up oh, that's so been, that, that, that that's been weathered yeah <laughs> you know so you, i always like to see cork over the screw cap but you know yeah. I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that i'm kind of i'm a kind of a, a traditionalist with the with the cork as well oh as I'm opposed a, to screw cap so i spent I, i've spent a lot of time in portugal uh and in cork forests and stuff like i've studied cork and i just i just think cork is 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 amazing and and, and in fact Look at that! You got you got a little synthetic cork. It's got a see. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the uh, a lot of that stuff going on. Yep, holds very tight, man. Nice snug fit. All right, yeah, I'm smelling this. I'm definitely shoe polish, you got varnish, that? Can you, leather. Can you picture yourself at a shoe parlor? Yeah, it's not exactly what I crave when I'm about to sip some whiskey, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> Well, see, after you sip this, then you'll go back to the Woodson bourbon whiskey, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. And, and here's, it, 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 you know, this was, uh, the, the, the corked version was one of the best I'd ever tasted. So this one with a screw cap, we could have a lesson on our hands here. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> no. Oh. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't keep very well. Oh, <laughs> that that was coming straight out of the locker room in 1945, with jock straps and and uh, tennis shoes and old mouth old mouthpieces. <laughs> <laughs> Hold oh, on boy. now. Hold on now. You you just you just said this tasted like jock straps. You got you got to explain that one to us. Well, I'm just trying to put you in. I'm just trying to put you in the mode, in a time period, of where that was stored. That was stored in the locker room, <laughs> and there was, there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, there were helmets and old. Uh, you talked about the leather helmets. You know, there was socks everywhere, and it, it's, it's, it's all of that. 
Yeah. It's, all, it's coming from it's coming from a long way away, long time ago. This is this is uh, uh, sweat and jock straps and leather helmets, folks. <laughs> That's it, the blood, it, sweating. That's the blood, sweating tears right there, baby. Yeah, I, I I don't even I can't even name a quarterback from forty five. But look at that, look at that man. It just oh, yeah. did not. It did not. It just sucked the the alcohol just sucked out all the uh, everything, all the materials in that cap. Ooh. Mm. Well, I won't be drinking that again, but I will. I, I will keep it around as like a as like a, a an example of how older whiskey is not always better. Um, and and it same, really, same 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 thing same thing with wine. You know, yeah. a lot of people like older wines, but it's you know, um, it, sometimes they hold up. Of course, sometimes they don't, but it doesn't necessarily mean better just because it's older. Yeah, you know, we've bought we've bought uh, some really rare stuff that just was vinegar, you know, and they were like they yep. were they were stored properly and everything, but you know, it it is what it is. It's just a kind of a you know the future, uh, you know the the aging process while it's still in the bottle, while it's different in spirits, you know, spirits it's more of like you just got to protect it and make sure it's not getting sunlight yeah. and it's and it's in a dark place, but. You know, definitely we see here like a screw cap uh, equals, you know, jock straps, leather helmets, and, uh, yeah. and sweat. So. It, it equals it equals old school, old school. It equals death in a bottle. So. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna go back to the senator because I feel like that's gonna that'll yeah. that'll refresh my palate a little bit. Absolutely. I was thinking the same thing, going back to one of those ones we tasted mm -hmm. before. Mm. So you you played for two of the most renowned fan bases of of all time, and sadly, the Oakland Raiders are no longer in Oakland; they're in Las Vegas. But if you I mean you 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 felt the energy of two dynamic crowds, from the Raiders to uh, the Packers. Is there a fan base that you would have loved to play for that had that same kind of energy? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, kind of parallel to the Oakland fan base is the Philly fan base. I think they're, you know, they're kind of one in the same, you know, tough, gritty, 100%, mm -hmm. um, you know, behind their team's back, but they ain't going to hesitate to boo you you know, if, if they feel the need to, you know, so they offer tough love. And so I think that for me, you know, coming from Oakland, I think that would be probably the ideal place to where I could feel like, you know what, this is, I just came from this, this kind of, kind of a familiar feeling is uh, playing for Philly, you know, tough fan bases, man, but there's no love, you know, like what they give you, you know they, what I mean? And they you, probably... feel it, you feel it. They probably could have used you uh, in Philly during the the McNabb years. I think I think McNabb is a very underrated quarterback, and you know he could have really used some 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 of that uh, shut down corner action that you were providing back in the day. Yeah, they had some opportunities, man. You know, I think they went to four straight mm -hmm. uh, NFC championships, I believe, and uh, you know. It's, it kind of mirrors, you know, what Buffalo Bills did back in the day uh, with them going to four Super Bowls. But it seems like it's always a play here, a play there, man, that, that just either loses you the game or wins you the game. And, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, they weren't able to come up with at least one Super Bowl 
you know, out of that great run, run that they had. Yeah, and of course they had, uh, you know, the, the famous uh, Terrell Owens uh, Super Bowl, and McNabb and yep. Owens are still barking at each other. Still, I mean, still. It never dies. My God. You know, I mean, what, what, here's, here's the interesting thing about that, right? In sports, you know, you can have all kind of beefs with, you know, former players, coaches, or whatnot. But if you win a championship, nobody will ever hear about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if you lose, but if you lose it, then it's your fault or their fault or whatever, man. So those guys will probably be going at it, man, for years and years to come. It's constant. Well, you know, you are a Always. you you are you are up for um, you know the NFL Hall of Fame. And I, I don't I don't think there is a person alive who doesn't think you're a, a first ballot Hall of Famer and and you know we're we're gonna see you with the with the jacket on here pretty soon. What what's that gonna mean to you? You know that uh wow. You know, I don't I don't you know, it kinda of probably was kinda of hard to, to find the words, you know, what that would actually mean, but you know, I I've I've been involved in this game forever it, mm-hmm. you know my almost my entire life you know i've been playing football um so for me to you know get that nod you know for them to say hey you know you're a hall of famer that would just mean that everything that i ever fought for you know as a player you know all the time that i've ever put in all the sprints stadium stairs pulling the sled like all of that stuff meant something you know what i mean and uh that would that would be you know, that would be the cap onto my, you know, career. And then it could age, you know, like that Kentucky Tavern that we just drank, man, you twist it on and you just let it age, you know, forever. But it would be, that would be the, the ultimate. That's that's the ultimate. Um, because there's, there's I, c- I could go nowhere after, nowhere else after that. You know, it's the Hall of Fame and then you're just off into eternity, man. So that would mean everything. Well, it, it it's well deserved. There's there's not a player in history who's done what you've done. And you know, if you were, if you were playing the Oakland Raiders or Green Bay Packers, um, while you were on the field, you know, you didn't throw towards you, and you didn't run routes towards you when you were a safety. And my and my 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 uh, one of my like co-producers on the show, Kevin Gibson, is an enormous fan of yours. And you gave you gave him one of the greatest memories of his life, uh, with the Super Bowl, and you know especially after last night, you know he's reeling a little oh, bit, man. and he and he told me to say tell you thank you, uh, for all that, and I, I have to imagine that you get that a lot, and it never gets old. Never gets old, man. You know I'm you know I'm a champion forever. You know we we, we were able to put it together. You know, uh, one time in my career you know, to where we were able to win it all. And the thing is, is that once you're a champion, you're always a champion. So that goes for the guys that played, the coaches, and then the fans alike. You know, when you're when you're a fan of a team and you win the championship, we all won the championship. And so that's why people always, you know, relate to a time in their life, you know, kind of relative to what their team was doing. You know, if your team won the championship, like you remember that. You know, hey, I remember when, you know, in 1997 when you went to Pasadena and you won the Rose Bowl. Like, people remember that time in their life, man. So I'm happy to, uh, throughout my career, you know, been a part of some great moments and, and championship teams to where, you know, guys like Kevin can say, hey, man, thank you, because that never goes away. 
we're champions. And of course, you know, we didn't even bring up, I didn't even talk to you about your, your collegiate career at Michigan. You won a Heisman, you won a share of a national championship. I mean, you've just had, uh, you've been a champion everywhere you go. And, and it's been your performance on the field that, you know, that, that breaks it out. And now, now you're entering the, the bourbon world and, you know, you know, it's very exciting for me as a, as somebody who covers bourbon to see you, you know, jumping in feet first. Well, you know what? There's no no better way to jump in than to be sitting here talking to you and just you know tasting bourbon, tasting rum, and just you know this is this is, you know, I put a lot of a lot lot of hard work into playing football, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, being in this world, you still have to put a lot of work into it, but man, you can just really enjoy it, you know, to be able to taste all of the different uh, spirits out there. Uh, all of the different uh, varietals of wine, different labels. Like this is the, it's 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 hard work. You know, like you got to be in the field. You got to really be, you know, into what you're doing. But man, it's such a joy to do it, man. So, um, I'm man, I'm so very blessed, man. I don't even, I don't even know what to say, man. But very well, happy for sure. Well, well Charles, I, I have to tell you that this is uh, this is an exciting moment for. Um, for for everybody, you know, right now to see you to get this, you know, soon to be honor in the NFL Hall of Fame, and uh, to be entering the bourbon world, uh, I'll toast you with with your bourbon. You grab whatever you like, but I just want to say thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for the many years of memories as a as a diehard football fan. Uh, you know, you're someone who who put it all out on the field and gave it all to you know, two teams and, and, you know, that's, uh, you can see the loyalty, you can see the love you had for the game. And to be honest with you, we miss you. We miss you. But now that you're, you're in bourbon, there's a whole nother chapter in your life. And of course wine too, but there's a whole new chapter in, in your life ahead. And cheers to you, my friend. Well, we're going to, we're going to take another sip of that because that's what we're doing. I'm a little low actually. So I'm going to have to do the same. Yeah. Tight, tighten that up a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> let's go let's go back let's go back in so this will be a cover two sip there we go i, I see i see what you did right there <laughs> cheers my friend cheers thank you man appreciate you having me on a big shout out to charles woodson thank you so much for joining the show everybody go check out his bourbon i'm telling you it's rapid age but don't let that keep you from tasting it Try it once for yourself and see what you think about it. I actually think it's got a place on your bar. I think it's got some uh, some flavor to it. And, you know, if you're a Packers fan, if you're a Raiders fan, I almost feel like, you know, it's one of those that you want to have just to remember the memories with Charles Woodson because he was so important to both of those franchises. Also, if you're a Wolverines fan, I didn't really talk a whole lot about his collegiate career, but he was a hell of a friggin' uh, college player. Winning the Heisman Trophy... Uh, you know, the only defensive player to do it for like forever. And just so just, you know, every, everybody always gives it to the running backs, to the quarterbacks. But I think the hardest uh, position to play in football is, is to be corner. I mean, you think about it, you got to run with a guy. You got to like, you got to know when the, the quarterback's going to throw. I, I think to be a, a corner is the toughest position. And he did it better than anybody. And then was able to go out into, um, 
the uh, the safety position. A lot of people argue that you know maybe Deion Sanders was better. Let me tell you something. You weren't afraid of a Deion Sanders hit. You were afraid of a Charles Woodson hit. That's all I'm going to say. But as we close it out this week, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Make sure you go and check out uh, becoming a member of of the Fred Minnick Whiskey Club. You go to Craft Shack. Go to CraftShack.com to check that out. Make sure you follow me all on the social medias. And get this, I'm on TikTok now. I'm not doing any dancing. Not doing any dancing. But I'm on TikTok where all the kids are. And uh, I'm told I need to be there too. So you know what? I figured I'd roll up the sleeves and learn a bit about the TikTok. So head on over there. Follow me. Check me out on all uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, I'm really thankful for to have your earballs for this uh, long amount of time. And we got us some great interviews coming up. Just do not miss them. So make sure that this is a, a subscribe podcast for you. Give us a review if you get a chance. And I will see you later. Be safe out there. No licking handrails, no licking trash cans. And remember, vodka sucks unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com by Michter's American Whiskies and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.